Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week, we travel to Malta. Hello, and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Matt. And I'm Monty. This is the podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week we take you through a different country's national final and pick the song we think deserves a second chance. A second bite of the cherry. At the end of the series, you the listeners, vote for your favourites and at our live event we crown the winner of the Second Cherry Song Contest. And we know when that's going to be. <laughs> it's going to be on the 11th of November at the Vauxhall Tavern with our friends Eurofest. The Royal Vauxhall Tavern, Monty. Because the, the Queen's will be in attendance. How remiss of a Queen like me to <laughs> have gotten that. <laughs> but yes, we're very excited. I mean, news that surprises no one because we've been going on about it anyway. But it's a confirmed and yes. announced. Yes. It was very exciting. We had a lovely Eurofest, actually, with Brooke from Ireland, who I thought was surprisingly good value. Oh, she just loved it, didn't she? Oh, she, she was having the time of her life. She was, like, taking videos of us, taking videos of her. Uh, <laughs> I love all that. She was... It was great fun. And then the date was announced. We don't know who the special guest is going to be, but we will be taking up the first part of the evening. Tickets will be on sale at some point. I don't think that they will have gone on sale by the time you're listening to this podcast. We don't actually know the date, though, but we will try and give you as much notice as possible. Because we sometimes pre-record this... Well, we always pre-record it. Do you know (laughs) what I mean? Sometimes we have a couple of episodes in the can. We might not be able to bring you the update on the podcast because they might go on sale between recordings. So do keep an eye on our social media and we'll try and give you at least a few days notice uh, for when the tickets are going on sale. Exciting. Talking of of exciting people, let's delve into the mailbag, Monty. Yes, you have been getting in touch with us on social media and by email. So a few tweets to start with. Philip says, ah, they chose my favourite song of the season for France. You're very welcome, Philip. Chosen it just for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Vince says, lovely insights into the French selection on Second Cherry podcast this week. I love to hear the backstory and how the artists are known in their home countries. Oh, that's thanks to Mikael. Yeah. He's the one who brings us all of that because, my God, we wouldn't have clue, would we? (laughs) (laughs) And if if any of you uh, know French at all, you'll see how I destroyed it that week. So, a whole language. A whole language. I destroyed it in one foul swoop by <laughs> by saying hairdressers instead of whatever I was trying to say. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but why else would you tune in and hear me murder language? So. What's the... Is it the Académie Française that protects the French language? Or I can't remember what they're called. Some institute that protects the French language at all costs. Yeah. Yeah. That's why my credit rating's been slashed. <laughs> <laughs> Ian on Twitter says, Morning boys, another great episode. I always look forward to Sivuk and Day. I was gutted when Alvan and Ahez did, didn't do well, but I love your choices this week and what you've chosen, France. Please continue to bring quality songs. Oh, thanks for the mention as well. Mm. Yeah, oh, it's two mentions though. Oh gosh, that's that's credit. <laughs> we we like you. 
<laughs> and Bob, our lovely friend Bob, says, I always love it when the boys at Second Cherry have a third joining the fun. <laughs> <laughs> only cherries again, only fans. Only cherries, yeah, so only cherries count. <laughs> Some people have a patron, we have only cherries. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for tweeting in, and we've had an email too. We have, yet yeah, from David, who has emailed us before, and he says, Evening, gentlemen. I'm assuming it was evening when he wrote this email. Just it's wanted... evening now. Yes. While we're reading it out. <laughs> yeah, but people might be listening to this on Monday morning. But he's timed the salutation for when we're reading it. He has. Yes. Very good forethought, David. Just wanted to welcome you back. Have missed the podcast and it's just what I need. So happy with the choice of Anna Selena for Estonia way back when. How long ago was that now? But yes, we selected her. Glad you're happy. He says, my favourite national final song of the 2022 season. Hoping I can make it to the live event this year. <gasps> Please do. Take care of yourselves. Looking forward to the rest of the series. Hope you're both doing well. David, kiss, kiss. Oh, sweet. Thank you, David. Thank you. We are doing well. I'm well, at least. Are you well? I am well. We're well. Yeah. We're very well. Thank you, David. Wow. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. That's our mailbag for the week. So we're into Malta this week. Uh, the first time that I think we featured Malta on the podcast. Not their first Second Cherry entry, but the first one since we revived Second Cherry with the podcast. So mm. let's have a quick look at their history. Malta debuted in Eurovision in 1971. They also took part in 1972, and both years they came dead last. <laughs> they had another crack in 1975, and then they decided, nah, sod it, we're staying away. And they stayed away until 1991. But they have been back every year since. They've never won. They've come second on two occasions and they've come third on two occasions, but they've never won. Two of those four occasions finishing in the top three were with Chiara. Where would they be without Chiara? <laughs> one second place was Ira Losco and one third place was Mary Spiteri with Little Child. Your look, it pains me. <laughs> Just like my voice is paining you now. <laughs> but yes, they've qualified most times, but not qualified on eight occasions, including this year. That's right. I have to. Can I just make a point about Malta at Eurovision? Where they in the seventies, they didn't do very well. They joined, and you know they're finding their feet, what have you. And it's almost like they had this big gap. And when they came back, it was like hit after hit after hit after you know top tens doing really well. And then there was a period where they did that, and then, then it's not, who knows what you're getting. Do you know, though, when they came back in 1991 and through most of the 90s, they had to sing in a national language, and they were able to sing in English. Mm. So like the UK and Ireland, they got a bit of advantage by being able to sing in English. I don't think all of those songs would have done quite so well had they been in Maltese. Mm, interesting point, Monty. In fact... Only one of their entries has been in Maltese, and that was their 1972 entry. And as we just heard, that came dead last. <laughs> that was the one that made them scarper for a couple of years. So, Monty, what's your favourite Maltese entry? Well, I have to confess, I do think most of them are a bit naff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I'm going to pick something which is probably the naffest of the naff. And I love it just because it is so bad. And it's On Again, Off Again by Julian Ludwig from 2004. <laughs> the sort of blend of operatic styles and batshit craziness. On Again, Off Again. Yes. <laughs> With the fantastic line, look at me, I need some attention. 
<laughs> I'm a girl of serious intention. <laughs> I mean, how could you not love that? Beautiful. My favourite, I think, is probably, weirdly, Firelight from 2014. Oh. Um, yeah, and also I like 2013, their Tomorrow, the sort of, like, God Squad band. Oh, Jeremy working in IT. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Gianluca, bless him. Oh, bless. That was quite sweet, actually. But let's have a look at the Maltese final this year. So the Maltese final was held over three nights in February, the 17th, 18th and 19th at the Malta Fairs and Convention Centre, possibly where they might host if they ever do win Eurovision. The competition consisted of 22 songs competing in the semi-final on the 17th February, where the top 16 entries, along with a wild card, qualified to compete in the final on the 19th of February. In between the semi-final and the final, a special evening took place where the first 16 qualifiers were announced, plus the jury wildcard. There were six judges evaluating songs and they each had an equal stake in the final result. Um, however, the seventh set of votes was the public televote and that only had the equivalent of one jury member. So you had the six jury members, you had six sevenths mm. of the power and the televoters with only one seventh of the power. I'm not sure how I feel about that. That's the similar setup to we had in Romania the other year, <laughs> where there was all sorts of controversy about voting up and voting down by the jury, and the public's pick didn't get through. We'll find out if that mm. happened this year. In the final, the six juries awarded their points in Eurovision style from 12 to 10, and that is a total of 58 points in all the televote was broken down that 58 points in total to give out was broken down proportionately to the percentage that the song had received in the televote but rounding it off made that there were 59 points awarded by the televote rather than 58 just the way that all those little percentages boiled down to a point here a point there so they couldn't give them nothing if they'd scored something so it rounded up to 59 points in all we had a couple of returning entrants we had richard edwards who was in fire mm. uh, firelight that you mentioned earlier on and uh, jessica muscat who was one of the uh, maltese singers who represented san marino in 2018 with the little robots remember there? <laughs> yeah. and people kept using the memes as like writing like rubbing out what they had said on it and then just yes. writing a different thing <laughs> You should see that coming, really. Um, there were a couple of people who'd been in the junior Eurovision as well um, for Malta. But the winner was with maximum 12s across the board from the jury and the best score from the televote was Emma Muscat, who went to Eurovision, but not with the song she won with. Oh, no. There was a bit of controversy because Emma Muscat won with a song called called Out of Sight. But she went to Eurovision with a song called I Am What I Am. Maha, what happened there? Well, it's a bit of um they've been quite shady or a bit a bit closed off about how this came about. There's mixed reports about how um very early on, once this Out of Sight got selected, they were already looking for another song. Um, I don't know if that was down to reaction, but they basically said it's the, the rules are you can't really change it, but 
they are. So they did. <laughs> I actually think the rules are that you can because oh, okay. I remember when Ira Losko came back for the second time, she changed the song after winning, and it was apparently in the rules that that could be done. Okay. So I'm assuming that that's what happened this year. That in the rules, in the small print somewhere, is the fact that the winner can actually go with a different song, and that's what Emma Muscat chose to do this year. I have to say, it doesn't sit very well with me. I think if a song has won and you've given the public a say in that, not very much of a say as it turned out, (laughs) but if you've given the public a say, I do think that you should honour their choice. I think it's a bit rich to say, well, you voted for this song, and they did, that did win the televote, but we're going to send something else. As if it's kind of, well, well, yeah, fuck you. We know better. We'll come on to it later, but I do think that this was a a slight improvement from Out of Sight when they chose I Am What I Am. Both are quite bland. Both are quite, you know, same type of song. But I do think it's a marked improvement. So I don't... I agree with you. You've got to respect the result and the integrity of the competition. But equally, I think they probably made the right choice. Well, maybe I'll give my views on that later on when we hear some of the songs. (laughs) (laughs) Let's have a listen to I Am What I Am. I believe that So I Am What I Am there, it finished 16th in the semi-final of 18 songs, so third last with just 22 points. Uh, I wonder if it was the right choice to to swap it. It beat Montenegro in 17th place and Georgia in 18th place, so that's the kind of competition that it was beating. Didn't beat anything else in its semi-final. Not a great result for Malta, and I think probably disappointed for Emma herself. I think she had record company backing and I think that she really expected to do a lot more with this. Isn't she from a rich family or something? And, you know, I, don't, I mean, I'm not suggesting anything untoward has happened. No, no, no. But, you know, I mean, is there a little bit of, you know, she's kind of got her place in the music industry by people that she knows or... Yeah, but... Because this is the way the world works. I'm not, I'm really not suggesting anything underhand. No, I think she's got back in sort of from every which way. I mean, not to say too much about who the jurors were, but there are two Muscats on the jury. <laughs> but when, <laughs> when you have a name like Muscat or Borg or... They're all Muscats or Borgers Fan- or Faniela. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you come from a long line of, of family. So maybe there's a bit of through money there. I don't know. Well, maybe there's there's a lot of Maltese dynasties like that, I guess. So maybe just not very many surnames. So that's the Maltese final. Let's have a listen to some of the songs. The first song we're going to listen to is called Into the Fire by Nicole Atsapadi.
I do like a sequined warrior. She's very, very sequined. Um, Into the fire, it's it's where it's very fiery, I have to say. Dancers had a smoky eye to die for, I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Great makeup, actually, all round, I have to say that. There is a moment in this song where there is an overlay where versions of herself sort of feather out and dance like some mythical god. And it's a bit shit. I'm like, ah, don't hold back. I'm like, oh, that hasn't had the effect I think you, you thought it did. I felt it was trying to have that effect that Armenia did the other year with was it Evetta Mikuchum? Do you remember in yeah. 2016? Uh, with Loveway. Yes, and it had a really nice effect where there was, you know, so the image of her split across the screen and there were like five or six of her moving across the screen. It looked at that. I think that's what they were going for. But these were kind of miniature versions in a kind of washed out grey. It just looked really odd. It's like they were trying to hide jaundice or something. <laughs> <laughs> grey out, grey out. I mean, I... I quite like this. It sort of had that building pop during the first chorus you know, when you're, you know, you can tell the kind of the rhythm and the, the, the tension is building up to, to go into something. Not sure where it goes after that, but it is, it's very cheap pop. And I like cheap pop. She looks great. She's in gold. There's, the dancers do, they have fantastic makeup, eye <laughs> makeup. And they have these wonderful kind of sheer costumes with like spiky black, Collars on the material, so you know, coming out as spikes from the neckline, um, and low corsets and some bare torsos. Apart from that, they're crawling around on a leash at one point as well. It's um, yeah, she doesn't look like the kind of girl that would have command of a couple of great wallopers, but you know, fair play. Yeah, I quite like this. I mean, I don't know how much chips cost in Malta, but. This is, you know, on that kind of budget. <laughs> cheap as. <laughs> That's exactly what I've written down here, cheap. It really reminds me of that dancey pop performances from the 2000s of Eurovision, which is not a good time for me. My relationship with Eurovision is just not good at that time. I'm just like, it wasn't great, in my personal opinion. And this just reminds me of some of them songs. Yeah. It does, but it also has that sort of vibe of, like, the gay club banger that... It was the kind of song that would only ever get played in a gay club because yeah. it wouldn't make any impact on the charts anywhere else. That kind of had that kind of feel to it for me. Some pyro as well. Nice big golden shower to finish. And who doesn't <laughs> like that for an ending? <laughs> there we are. Song number two then is Matt Black with Come Around. Monty, I say Matt Black. I'm not quite sure if I'm saying that right because he spells it B-L-X-C-K. So... Yes, and if you weren't aware that's how he spells it, he actually does spell it out for you in the lyrics as well. (laughs) M-A-T-T-B-L-X-C-K. Matt Black. (laughs) He's not always been called Matt Black, though. He was once known as Matthew Anthony, and he's been in the Maltese selection before, a few years ago, with a song called Call Tomorrow, with the two as a 
letter to Bora. Ah, you cheeky, no, cheeky. I don't like that. <laughs> I really don't like it. It gets my dander up. It really does. I have to say, this was a song that I was alerted to by our friend of the parish, Mr. Roy Delaney, and his excellent Eurovision Apocalypse blog. And it was highlighted because he likes to highlight the noteworthy of Eurovision. (laughs) And I'm just going to quote what Roy said because it did make me titter. He said, lockdown had the strangest effect on us all. For some of us, it was all about learning how to make banana bread or homeschooling the nippers. Others among us explored new creative pursuits or pottering about in the garden. But for Matt Black, seems as though that period of enforced indoorsiness was mostly spent singing into the mirror and watching a lot of RuPaul. (laughs) That's actually bang on because... Absolutely. It's... Look, I'm going to say my favourite phrase. It's not the first time I've used it and it certainly won't be the last time I use it this series. But this is style over substance. It's It's not even that much style. (laughs) Well, it's a style. (laughs) Uh, Look, it's all over the place. The overly repetitive parts were frustrating, but light relief from the sometimes inaudible rapping. Some of it, I'm like, what is he going on about? <laughs> it, that's the style over substance part of it. I'm getting, uh, this is going to sound so unkind, but I'm getting Ali G lookalike <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's it. That ruined, that's ruined it for me. It's way, yeah. I do like, though, here's the positive. Having... The bigger dancers, the girls dressed in hot black club wear, that's a real plus for me. I thought they looked great. It kind of felt real. Probably the most authentic thing of, that was on stage. Um, I want more of that, please. I just look, I just can't help but file this under self-indulgence. There's a bit of sass in this, but I think it's a bit of misplaced sass. I'm not sure that Matt Black really has the sass to carry this off. But, you know, God love him for trying. Um, he's mincing around in black PVC and yeah it's the kind of thing that you need to see so we can't bring you the visuals through the medium of a podcast but do have a look online at this performance it's it's worth three minutes of your time the next song is called Electric Indigo it's by Baklava featuring Nicole Baklava, baklava, baklava is the little baklava. It's that little pistachio, yeah, uh, dessert thing, and syrupy dessert. Oh, have you spelt it wrong? Is it actually balaclava? No, it is baklava. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking of snacks, well, there's definitely something on display here from the violinist. If you haven't seen the Antichrist before you will after seeing the close-up of his very tight trousers. (laughs) Them snug pants, aren't they? He's wearing kind of silver, very, very, very tight trousers while he's playing a violin. Very enthusiastically, it has to be said. Um, Nicole, I imagine, is one of the two women that is on stage. It's not, not mentioned who the other one is only one of them is featured I think it's the woman with tambourine for hands 
That's my guess. Do you know what, though? If you want to know what key the song is in, well, sorry, it's still a Good mystery. <laughs> because I think it went everywhere. You name it, it went there. It, it, it's really quite... It's an, it, it's an entertaining performance. Um, again, another one that you have to see. It's a little bit out of tune and terrible at times. Um, and a little bit... Uh, well, I mean, there is a lot of enthusiasm in this song and I think you've got to kind of hand it to them for that the man with the violin also has a microphone but there are some close-ups actually there's a close-up where he gives a wink to the camera saucy mink <laughs> cheeky cheeky but I have to say when it does get to that camera picking up him singing there's no sound coming out of that microphone unashamedly as well like it's just not singing <laughs> but I mean you know when he's playing the violin with so much gusto and filling his pants so well I mean you don't need to hear him sing no but I didn't think you could make Scooch look good but they've they've done that <laughs> it is like cheaper chip Scooch it's just bizarre like an all-inclusive hotel kids club performer one minute they're on stage encouraging mums and dads to dance with their kids and then the next minute they're doing table surface and <laughs> serving the surf and turf platter. It's exactly that. <laughs> Isn't it? There's another big golden shower to close though. They did They've like it. They've gone they? down well in Malta this year. I just can't with this song but also I don't want it to stop either. <laughs> song number four then moving on swiftly is Ritmu by Aiden. Monty, chipboard staging is a choice, not my favourite word. Oh, yes, the props were <laughs> not high quality. <laughs> Literally chipboard. <laughs> I don't think you needed to look at the props, though, when you were looking at this, because there was a lot to look at with Aiden and the dancers. There was a lot going on. It's got that kind of cowboy cabana feel to it, that Spanish pop feel. Um, and he's there in a kind of wild western outfit with them. Lovely fringing and mm-hmm. a Stetson. Um, there's some dancers, there's one with an open shirt, and they're flirting with him, both men and women. It's a little bisexual vibe going on with this. There's a little frisson, which is the word that you meant last week when you said friseur instead. (laughs) (laughs) But I like it. Uh, Now, well, you have to point out, this was the song that came second, and I think Aidan's made the very best of his 15 minutes because he was everywhere this year. He brought this song to the London party. He brought all five dancers to the London party for a three-minute performance, quite early on in the bill, because obviously he wasn't one of this year's um, entrants. But then he popped up in lots of different places in the preview parties, and he even gave the points for Malta in the grand final. Mm. So, you know, he's done all right out of this. He did come second, and I have to say, in the... In the tele, in the jury voting, it was a clean sweep. Emma Muscat got six twelves, and then Aiden got six tens. So this was truly a two horse race because also Emma got the the largest percentage of points in the tele vote, and Aiden got the second largest. So it was a very clear second across the board with everybody in Malta. But he's the 
the artist we could have almost had at Eurovision. If he'd gone there, it would be another act taking that kind of cowboy feel to the stage. We had Estonia, we had Iceland. Um, it really felt like a bit of a vibe this year. And that's not something I was aware of going on in wider popular music with my ear to the ground for all the latest trends in the right? <laughs> <laughs> But I love this. I really like it. It's got a really nice, upbeat, lovely, fun pop vibe to it. Mm. No, I like it a lot. I, I do think it, if it would, it would have been compared to Hope, the Estonian entry, purely on that cowboy aspect, and in every way, in every way, it would have lost any comparison. So it's a real shame, really. I, I don't think it would have done very well at Eurovision. But look, I need more Maltese language at Eurovision. You know, I know they haven't done very well in the past, but <laughs> as we just said, but I, I, I like that. And although I can see why they wouldn't want to put off English speakers. Um, because I think the UK generally is given points to Malta. Someone can fact check me on that, but I just I can see why they wouldn't want to be too pushing their language. But I think they should. I think be bold, do it. Do you know though? I don't think it matters what language something is in because people in the UK, you know, haven't got a clue. They'll just be oh, it's all in foreign, and it wouldn't matter whether this song was in Spanish or whether it's in Maltese. You know, your average Brit listening to it wouldn't understand it anyway. I like the fact that they went with Maltese and I like the fact that yeah. having gone with Maltese, it did so well. This was an undoubted hit of the season. And our fifth and final song this episode is, of course, Emma Muscat with the song she won with but didn't take to Eurovision. Out of sight. Well, we're including this because it does qualify, as did Maruv many years ago for Cherry, so it's here. And Alina Patch this year. That's right. For Ukraine. So it qualifies. Look, she's got a good voice, but this song, like I Am What I Am, is a bit bland, especially at the start. Oh my God. With some phrasing that we've seen in pop time and time again, there was sort of nothing fresh about this even though she's fresh faced she's young it's just all a bit tired she looked great though the gold glitter suit like an ode to abba i feel from the 70s it's really beautiful fits so well on her she looked stunning the problem i have okay with sweet pretty girls and i know this is me talking as i approach 40 years old take it with a pinch of salt it deserves but i just feel like you need to bring something more other than just cliches and hand-me-down thematics. I need more. And I am what I am, okay, but what are you then? Like, you, you're you giving me nothing real. It's just hyper-media-trained niceness. And I, and I just don't know what, what she is, you know, when she says, well, I am what I am. Like, what, what is it then? 
because I'm not getting that from her. She's got talent in abundance, by the way. So whether the song is I Am What I Am or Out of Sight, and I think they're very similar, <laughs> to be honest with you. As I said, I do think I Am What I Am is better. But this Out of Sight, I just feel like it's just, it's meh. I'm going to start with the positives, and I agree with you that she looks amazing. That gold catsuit is lovely. Stunning. She looks brilliant. I think the vocals are also excellent as well. It's clear she's got a good voice. A little bit breathy. There's a little bit of kind of the intake of breath between the, the lines. And I think, you know, with a good vocal coach, hopefully that could be cleared up because it's very prominent on the mic. But it is a very well sung song. You mentioned it being very similar to I Am What I Am. And actually, when I watched it back, I was like, this is the same performance. You know, she sat at the piano... She stands up in front of the piano, then she walks to the front of the stage. At Eurovision, she sat at a piano, she actually then stood on the piano, then came to the front of the stage, and she danced a little bit there. So there are a few changes, but it was almost like the main parts of the choreography, sitting, standing, walking to the front, were almost exactly the same as the Eurovision song. And I kind of wondered, had they already sent in the choreography? choreography video so they had to do something very very similar the camera shots maybe because they'd already sent it in because that's what you have to do you have to send in a video of what the performance is going to look like so that they have something to work on and i wonder if they you know because they changed the song quite at the last minute if they had everything else ready to go and they had to submit that and then just make the little tweaks on it that weren't significant to how would it all be blocked out? I think that's efficient, though. That's kind of efficient thinking. She knows what the choreo is. The the transfer from Maltese stage to Eurovision stage is a massive jump. 200 million people. No one's going to know that original performance. It just makes things a lot easier for her to remember. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it just looks a little bit kind of cheap and copied to me. And I just do wonder if that... You know, last minute change was something where they they had to go with what they already already planned. She's um, got some projections of a, a child which was meant to represent the younger version of herself on the screen behind. And actually, when she walks to the front, there's that child in reality. There's a, a small child. Obviously, they wouldn't have been able to recreate that on the stage because you have to have a minimum age of um, performer. But I don't know. I mean, it is bland, but. I still think that I prefer this to the one they changed it to. And given they came second last, I think they probably have done this song at a service. I really think they should have stuck with this song. Okay. Well, hard disagree then, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> so there we are then. They are our five songs. Before we reveal who the Maltese Cherry is this year, there's this. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So as we dropped into last week's episode, we trailed the fact that this week we would talk about the UK officially confirmed as hosts of Eurovision 2023. Matt, home Eurovision. Yeah, and I'm quite liking the fact that quite soon after, the BBC are quick to say that there's going to be very heavily Ukraine influenced. They, I think, I think words like partnership. There was stuff there working with the broadcaster in Ukraine. I was like, yes, I think the BBC are going to play this perfectly and have the right vibe, the right sort of embracing other cultures and Ukraine's time on stage. 
really interesting some of the quotes that are put out on official press releases. So I'm really excited, not just the home Eurovision, but we're gonna, they're gonna do it the right way as it deserves to be, as, as Ukraine deserves. I'm really excited about that as well. I think they're absolutely right. Obviously, some discussions happen behind the scenes because there's a bit of a change in tone um, from our outgoing Prime Minister and Zelensky, who you know, were insisting it was in Ukraine. And um, the Ukrainians are actually going, well, you know, you've, you've robbed us of our choice to, to host it. Somebody sat down and had a word and the, the mood music has changed. And I think it's absolutely lovely now that they're, is going to be the involvement of the Ukrainian broadcaster in parts of it. It is the UK hosting, though. It is the BBC hosting. They're doing it on behalf of the Ukrainian broadcaster. They're not doing it as an official co-hosting arrangement. Mm. It is the BBC, but they're going to work with them. I've always thought this would be the case. It's really easy to bring in elements of Ukrainian culture. You can get a Ukrainian presenter to co-present. You can get a Ukrainian designer to do the set design, the logo design. You know, you can bring Ukrainian artists in to do uh, interval act performances. But I think what we probably see is a bit of Ukrainian and international solidarity through the performances, the interval acts. I think they'll not miss a trick to do that. Yeah, you can count on the BBC to hit the right note and get that registered just right. I think we can see something really good. If you want an extra dose of feeling really good this week, look at the video that Sam Ryder put out on his social media. And he sort of said, look, this is the Ukrainian party. We're just facilitators of their party. And it was this lovely little message and it just goes to show where that guy's morals stand and what he thinks and he said about, he spoke about the Kalush Orchestra and how excited they were. Just a beautiful message, always on point with Sam. He knows exactly what he's doing. Just have a look at that. We'll try and put a link to it in the show notes because it's beautiful. It's lovely. Didn't he say something about it's Ukraine's party we're just let, letting them hold it in our house? Yeah. Or something. And it's that kind of sentiment. It was absolutely nail on the head. And I think that's how we've got to start thinking about this. Yes, we're excited. Yes, we're loving the fact it's going to be in the UK. We have to make sure that we are absolutely honouring Ukraine and all the elements that they have to bring and will bring and should bring to this one-off show. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So, Monty, reel us in. Who have we selected as the Maltese Cherry? Well, I suspect that even before our listeners started listening to this episode, they could probably have a stab at who we were going to pick. <laughs> I think this is one of the easiest to guess of the year. It is, of course, Aidan with Ritmo. <laughs> So there we are, Aidan with Ritmu. Yeah, unsurprising. People at the Eurofest the other week were asking us, oh, you know, what have you chosen from like, well, I think people know. Yes. Yeah. I think it was such a clear fan favourite that how could we not choose it for Second Cherry, really? Yeah. Happy with that one. So contact us if you wish. 
You can do that via Twitter at Second Cherry, Instagram, Second underscore Cherry, Facebook, Second Cherry Podcast. And you can email us like David did this week at hello at secondcherry.vision. That's hello at secondcherry.vision. So there we are. That's the Maltese episode done and dusted, Monty. Next week, tell people where we're flying off to. Next week, we will be in sunny Spain. E viva España. Yes. <laughs> we're going to Benidorm. Well, figuratively, but yeah. Well, spiritually, figuratively, yeah. We'll be there next week we'll be- <laughs> talking about Spain. See you then. See you later. Hasta mañana. Bye.